Welcome to the ReChurch Podcast. This is Tyler Armstrong, the student pastor at 12th Street Baptist Church in Rambosity, Alabama, with our lead pastor, Thomas Winborn. We are asking the question, how can we become the church that Jesus intended? What's good, everybody? Hope that this episode finds you well. I am once again inside the bat cave that is known as Thomas Winborn's office. What's up, man? What's going on, man? Dude, it's going good. I refer to it as the bat cave because like last week the uh, Batman trailer dropped out with the new Robert Pattinson. It looks Batman. really good. Tommy ran in my office. Is like, dude, look this up on YouTube right now. And I told him I, I don't usually want to see trailers. Yes, because it gives too much away. Like this one even did a little bit. Yeah, you know, given like the formula, you got to figure out, you yeah, know, whatever. But. But I, I, th- I thought it was pretty good. It looks really good. Look, I'm really glad we're getting back to a different style of Batman. I liked it when the most recent Batmans were out at yeah. first, but I was kind of done, you know, with that Batman. I'll oh, see. So. No, I disagree with you. I think that was the best Batman. Like, no, no, they're good. Okay, I'm just yeah. saying that the main character, like, he kind of went off the rails. Oh, in dude, life. No, but, but yeah, man. I mean, both of them did, right? I mean, like that. Maybe Batman just drives you to that point. Well, I think I think that like they I think actors now immerse themselves so deep into roles. That yeah. like I mean like Michael B. Jordan when he played Killmonger well, it makes it good. Yeah, I mean when he played Killmonger. Yeah, he like got to the point where he was isolating himself and like noticing these really unhealthy trends yeah, yeah. in his life, and he had to go to counseling. Yeah, I mean like he was in eight months of counseling to come out of that role because he was so self-identified in that role, and that's a really good actor. But man, yeah, like dude. I mean I mean Heath Ledger, I mean goodness gracious, yeah, yeah. the Joker killed him, and so yeah. um, anyway, so let me look, we're gonna start off this. Let me ask this question. So <laughs> I I wrote these questions up, and um, I basically thought this would really be something that Tyler would enjoy talking about. So yes. I'm gonna ask the question. So Tyler, who is one of the best fighters of all time? Okay, so I consider myself an MMA like connoisseur like i love aficionado yeah that's a, that's a better yeah i thought that word um, yeah. like, i can't even say it but um <laughs> i really really enjoy mma ufc you know oh, me too man stuff. i don't get so, to watch as much but yeah so me and my brother like every time there's a big pay-per-view we buy it and uh we we hang out at his house now he's like fully immersed himself like every saturday there's a fight like there's people at his house and so yeah, yeah. Really, a lot of fun um i'm gonna say this guy john jones john bones jones okay the dude is 27 and one and the one loss well, yeah, that he I asked, had, I was like, well, who beat him? And I'm like, he beat himself. He disqualified by an accidental eye gouge, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> like, I mean, it was like an eye gouge or like it was some kind of, it was like a groin kick. I mean, it was something crazy that they It's almost like you're him. not real unless you have a loss. Yeah. And his loss was because he gouged somebody in the eye with his finger and got yes. disqualified. And, uh, and I mean, man, like he, and, and he just recently, he, he tried to, he like been in this huge contract negotiation. He just recently forfeited his lot heavyweight belt. And he essentially said, "I'm going to gain 40 pounds, and I'm going to go take the heavyweight belt from like that from like the greatest." It really smells of Conor McGregor. Uh, yeah, well, Con- and see, Conor McGregor, I would honestly put him up here too. But he, John, he, Jones, I would say he's probably one of the most enjoyable fighters to watch. Oh man, he and, and, and like his, uh, his, his out of the ring antics. Oh, so that's was, the best you see, part. He got engaged. No, I, didn't. I thought the dude was married. No, he's man, never been married. It's his girlfriend. I, yeah, it's his girlfriend, girlfriend for 13 yeah. years, and he finally got engaged. I was like, I'm proud of him, man. He's <laughs> I'm like, good. I'm stepping looking, it up, bro. He's I'm getting like, older. Yeah, doing things in reverse, bro. Yeah. Like, you know, have a baby, <laughs> all these things, and then get engaged, get married at the end of your life, and so. Um, but I mean, he retired, retired. You know how he does, and so. Anyway, John Jones, man, he could destroy anybody. Anybody? Yeah, and I, I'm going to go more historical here. I'm going to say my first thought on this is still the one I stand by. Pound for pound, with quickness of speed and technique, yes. I think one of the best fighters of all time is Bruce Lee. Bruce Lee. Now, Tyler pointed out that the problem there is that you didn't really see him fight, like real fights a whole bunch. But you can, you can find raw footage of him doing like exhibitions. And he's got this like punch where he like stands there and he's basically touching your chest with his fingers. And then he like 
throws that into a punch, like two inch punch, and people go flying across the room. I mean, he's pretty amazing. Yeah. You know, and, he, and, he, and as you mentioned, he went through a whole lot. But if you're not going to pick him, and I'm going to go back to like American boxing style or UFC, I would have to say I put up there Mike Tyson is one of the best. Dude was, dude was insanely fast, man. Super fast. And he had the heaviest right hand. I mean, dude, I mean, oh, like, once he landed, you're done. It was like swinging a, me- a metal lunchbox. Uh, so I make my kids sometimes watch like fight stuff with me, like just to go look at like top 10 knockouts yeah, or whatever, dude, you know. Yeah. And uh, they had one about showing all of Mike Tyson's opponents and how it went down, man. And he has the head of a beaver. I mean, it's so heavy and so hard and yeah. so thick. It, he He'd just it, take it, a beat until he had an opening and one shot, dude's down. Yeah, I mean, he would be losing a fight. He kind of reminds me, there's a guy, um, the Bronze Bomber, yeah, yeah. Who, you know, today. I mean, like, very similar fighting style. Like, just really strong jaw, just yeah. takes licks like crazy, and then just one hit wins. Yeah. I mean, just mind-blowing. Yeah, it was, like, amazing to watch one dude made it into round two. Yeah. You know, and you're like, whoa, he's good. You mm-hmm. know, and then he got knocked out. Yeah, and then he got knocked out. <laughs> and then the whole Evander Holyfield thing happened. Uh, when Mike started biting ears and just getting the tribal tattoos on his face. So really funny. I just watched with my kids um, on Discovery Go, because we don't have cable. Yeah. So let's watch Discovery Go on Roku. And we watched uh, Shark Week with Mike Tyson. <laughs> yes, dude. So if you haven't seen that, you need to find that <laughs> and incredible. watch that. Because he gets into the water with sharks, and he is tripping out. And now he has a lot of expletives, but they like... Beep them, yeah, beep them out. Yeah, bleep it out. Yeah, so it's really funny. Yeah, I, <laughs> like, I, I really laughed a whole it. lot. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed you it. You should watch all the top knockouts of Mike Tyson first, mm-hmm. and then watch his downfall on. You find that on YouTube. Yeah, and then watch Shark Week with Mike Tyson. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that Mike Tyson was done when uh, he was in the movie The Hangover. You know, <laughs> with like all those guys. And I was like, gosh, this guy's done. Like, you know, he's toast. <laughs> but <laughs> he so, was done way before that. Oh yeah, he was yes. way done before that. It was yeah. like you know, he took that movie just to make some money. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And so, so tell me, who are you listening to? Right Right now. Uh, for me, man, I've been on uh, this. These guys released an album in the middle of summer. Uh, Jason Isbell and the Four Hundred Unit. Um, I love Jason Isbell. Um, my friend Guy Phillips, who's one of my best friends, accountability partner, turned me on to him a couple years ago when he dropped a single album, Southeastern. Yeah, you know, really Americana kind of country folk type yeah. music. Yeah. Um, one of Adam Swan's favorite bands. Me and him every time you know Jason Isbell comes up, we were talking about his music and all this, and so right. really enjoy. It. So if you enjoy that style of music, go look him up. I mean, now once again. Please understand, he's not a believer. Um, and so, like, you know, it's that, you know, just that Yeah, well, the question was who you're listening to, not who you're worshiping with. his song, Elephant in the Room, oh, my God. No, Elephant. It's Elephant. You man, it's such with Herman a, series coming yeah, up. Yeah, we got it mixed up. There's a song, yeah. Elephant, and, man, and, and it is one of the most haunting songs. He has a song called If We Were Vampires. He talks about death and, like, marriage. Yeah. And he talks about, like, hey, listen, baby, I wish we could live forever, but, you know, we may only have, like, 30 or 40 years together. Like, that's it. And then we're gone. Like, that's yeah, it. Yeah. It's haunting, man. Yeah. Like, it makes me want to love my wife better. Sound, it sounds very depressing. Oh, but it's good, though, man. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's just great storytelling. It's great, you know, great, just just a great lyricist. Just right. writes beautiful music. I'll check them out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've been listening lately to a little more Cake. I love Cake. I have no clue what you're talking about. You seriously don't know Cake? No, I do not. I'm just going to sit there for a second. Okay, that's fine because I have no clue. Like, I'm like, when I saw Cake, I'm He's like, going the distance, going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone, all alone in her time of need. Absolutely not. I have no clue. They have a lot of plays on um. They're huge, dude. So one of my favorite songs is is Going the Distance, or really my, my favorite all-time Cake song is Stick Shifts and Safety Belts. It's Stick Shifts and Safety Belts have all got to go bucket seats too he says basically yeah um when i'm driving in my car with my baby right next to me he wants a bench seat in his car you know and it's like almost like rock swing ska 
and it's really cool stuff. But um, I mean, all their stuff's not great. He he talks about uh, one called short skirt and a long jacket. He wants a girl that's got a short skirt and a long jacket. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I've never heard of this band at all. Are you kidding me? No. Everybody um, is listening right now. If you've heard of Cake and you're surprised that Tyler has never heard of Cake, text message or email Tyler and let him know that you're surprised. I'm, I'm I just want to see the response. I'm on Spotify right now. It says their sound freely mixed and matched um, these widely varying genres. White boy funk, hip hop, country, new wave pop, jazz, college rock, and guitar rock. Yes, all those. That's what that, that is Cake. They they did a remake of uh of a song. What's that song that um I will survive? Now there's an expletive in the song. Yeah. But they redid it and it's like a really cool sound. I'm cake. I'm about to go to lunch here in just a second, and so I guess I'm gonna have to like immerse myself you over have this golf course while I'm eating my sandwich. Just the cake essentials. Look okay. that up. Cake yeah. essentials. Yeah. It's yeah, gonna be cake. on Spotify. Let's yeah, like you'll find the essential yeah, playlist like, for this cake. This is cake. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like when I saw you that you were listening to cake, I was like, are you like making some kind of diet? So they joke did, they did a like, video of this song, short skirt and a long jacket, I think. Yeah. And basically, the whole video is them like in California on the boardwalk, and they're stopping people and making them listen to it with headphones, and they're just filming the person as they're listening to it and asking them like, "What do you think?" You know, and that's all they're doing for the whole video. It's really funny. Interesting. Yeah. All right then. I'm so surprised you don't know Cake. I, I, I don't mean, know what to think I, about I, right I, now. I mean, you know, I mean, you, I mean, you know me, dude. Like, I you know myself. all kinds of music. I, I can't believe you've never heard music, it. Man. You're gonna hear it going the yeah. distance and go like, oh, I know this song. That's yeah, what probably. You're that's and what so, you're do. okay, so what's so Thomas is like a leadership guy. Like, I mean, I when I first met Thomas, I was amazed at the amount of leadership information this guy's just consumed over the years. So this is a question that we came up together. What's one leadership book that you'd recommend? And so if you are if you're wanting to get into leadership, are you are a leader in an organization, or if you just love leadership stuff? Yeah. This is a book for you. This one particularly is really good for teams. Mm -hmm. So um, it's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Incredible book. Yeah, by Patrick Lencioni. Mm -hmm. Who's a believer. um, Yeah, he's a believer. He's from the Catholic background. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, if you wanted to go to a conference where he's the main guy and he's like training, it's going to cost you like two grand to go to a conference. I mean, he's like really good. Um, The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. Uh, It's... Yeah, I would argue that his books, there's one called Silos, Politics, and Turf Wars. Mm-hmm. Man, it is so good about how companies and churches are divided up into these silos that do their own thing. And if we would just work together as a team and not have turf wars over our stuff, we'd be much healthier. I was just talking to a friend about that same problem in the uh, banking industry. Oh, um, yeah, this, these are these go across you know different categories of yep. industry. Um, and there's another one he's got out that uh, I look the, the four obsessions of an ex- of an executive, yeah. of extraordinary executive. Really good stuff. My man. favorite thing about these books, and especially the ones that you just recommended, they you read them as their parables. Yeah, he basically like, writes like a fable. It's like yes, a fable. Yeah, fable. yeah, That's a yeah, 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 yeah. It's um and, and so it's like a fable, and like you're reading about these like these dysfunctions. You're like, man, gosh, this is really messed up. And then at the end, he like exegetes his own fable. You yeah, know, like breaks it down and like goes into it and says, this is how this dysfunction. And like, I mean, like Thomas encouraged me to read this when he first came. I was like, man, like I've committed some of these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, and so and then I actually use this for a pastoral leadership class I took. This is one yeah. of the books that I read for it. And so just incredibly really good. Book. You can I sat down and read Silos, Politics, and Turf Wars mm-hmm. in like an hour and a half. Yeah. Because it's just a story that's really good. And at the end, the last like twenty to twenty five pages. Is this a book is, that you read inside books a million? I but. did, and I felt guilty for reading it all, and so I went and bought it. <laughs> yeah. Because I didn't plan on reading the whole book. You know, I just sat down and read it, and it was so quick, and I got through it. I'm like, I, I got to buy this now. You know, I feel like I'm cheating and stealing. Yeah, I'm still in this. I'm still in this knowledge yeah. from Patrick. Although Lewis. they welcome that. I mean, yeah. they're bringing chairs for a reason, yeah, right? So, and yeah. so um, for me, I'm going to recommend the book Designed to Lead by Eric Geiger and Kevin Peck. I really enjoyed this book because the kind of the idea is is that the church has forfeited leadership development yes. to the secular society, but the yes. church, in all reality, should be the ones 
who are leading and because we are designed to lead. And so one of my favorite illustrations from this book is um, talking about Moses and Joshua. So Moses raised up Joshua to replace him. And so at the end of his life, Moses, you know, kind of has this mountaintop moment and he's like, oh, there's a promised land, but you're not going in. Well, Joshua's going to carry him in. When you get to the end of Joshua, Joshua doesn't have any leaders. And it says, and the next generation did not know the Lord. Yeah. You know, and so, and so I always tell me of the people that are underneath me that I'm serving, you know, like that I'm leading. Are you going to be a Moses or Joshua? You know, like, are you going to be the one that leads us well, that replaces yourself? Or are you going to be the one that says, you know, at the next generation, they lost it. And I've been trying to change my language. You just said language that I've said over and over again since mm-hmm. the guy here replacing yourself in ministry. I'm trying to change that to multiplying Multiplying yourself. yourself. That's good. Or, or, or replicating mm-hmm. yourself, right? Yeah. But I mean, I think it's huge. And that's a really good book for it. And it's yeah. something the church hasn't done well. And what happens is, is you, you don't, the real issue in the church is that people in charge don't want to give up control. Yeah. And so when you have young leaders come in, they don't want to hand off them. They want to give them a little something to do. Yeah. But your real leaders that step up and are growing up, they, they, if they don't have the opportunity to leave, they're going to go somewhere else. Yeah, they're, they're going to they're going to start leading elsewhere. Yep. And they're going to get frustrated. And so all what happens things, in so. a decade or three is you end up having a bunch of older folks who have done a great job of leading, but there's no leaders in the next two or three generations yeah. behind them. And so when they decide to re- retire out or go to be with the Lord, there's nobody to pick up the mantle and go because yeah. they haven't continued to replicate themselves. And then what happens is, is there's more reliance on the staff, on the paid staff yep. and all these things. And then it just turns into a big mess. Right. Yeah. Yep. And so the church should be a leader in the leadership development thing. That's what they're arguing in their book. Yep. So, Good. all right. So if you could pick any modern preacher or pastor to hang out with, who would it be Thomas? So, I think this guy, if I had to pick anybody that, from what I can understand about Jesus in the New Testament, anybody that would look the most like Jesus that I can see from afar and I'd want to hang out with, it would be Francis Chan. Man, what a guy, right? Yeah. He says edgy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler put the phrasing that I think, uh, well, how'd you say it? He's just lazy with words sometimes. I wouldn't like, use lazy. Well, I, I, sometimes he says something and then he like kind of surfs it while it's like riding out of his mouth. Yeah. And so when he says it, I think that people take that then and say, oh, well, he's saying maybe this or that, but he never has said anything that I've heard that's not orthodox. He's, he's never said anything. I mean, I mean, like, you know, he's leaned towards like, you know, some, some positions. Like I think there's like the whole like thing where Francis Chan is into transubstantiation now or whatever. Transubstantiation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's not. I mean, you he's, read the stuff, he's not. He's not. And yeah. So, like, you're just in there going, man, it's just the way he words things. And that's why I mean, he's lazy yeah. with words. I think he just, his passion overpowers his tongue sometimes. I don't, Is so that I, good? I hear what you're saying. I think he purposely says things in a way that walks the line that makes you really think about what you believe and decide if you want to be there or not. That's valid. I can buy that. Yeah. I think he's really careful about his words. Yeah. But I, but I think that. I hear what you're saying. It appears that way. Yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, I mean, but man, just we're going to talk about God's passion for the gospel of Jesus. Gosh, if Jesus is walking the planet right now, I think that him and Francis would be like brothers. Yeah. You know, like, like, you know, obviously just Francis so is the human only guy, yeah. but I mean, it just seems like he walks, talks, speaks, acts. I've been in rooms with Francis Chan, like right next to him when he's talking to some youth leaders and the guy just like, he bleeds Jesus, man, mm-hmm. you know, just bleeds Jesus. So. For me, it's going to be Matt Chandler. Um, I love Matt Chandler's story. Um, he's also, you know, kind of, I feel, I've, I've talked to him a couple times, like at conferences and stuff. I kind of feel like our personalities are very similar. Um, very brash, you know, I mean, obviously he's matured a lot since his younger preaching days, but man, like, I just want to, I want to just sit there and hang out with him and ask him, man, what was it like, you know, starting this multi-site movement to now where it's a multiplying movement to where all their multi-site, you know, churches are becoming autonomous bodies. 
um, that they're letting them go out and become autonomous churches. And so I would love to just sit there and say, hey, man, like, what was it like? You know, like, what's the leadership behind that and all that? And then on top of that, I just think he's a cool dude. I really yeah. think he's a really cool guy. And if you're not familiar with Matt Chandler, you need to go to YouTube and type in Matt Chandler, the Rose. Oh, man. And just get your first exposure to the type That's of guy he is in the, at the raw my, nature of him. My favorite sermon that he did was the one that he did on Psalm 23 at uh, mm-hmm. Stephen Furtick's church that, like, Elevation Church actually censored the sermon <laughs> because he actually called out Stephen Furtick in the sermon. Um, that was a sermon where he's like, "You're not David," like, like, like you know, you're, oh, after he's, yeah, 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 you're yeah. not David, like you know, in the story of David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. I mean, Stephen Furtick was in the middle of a series talking about, "Hey, this is how you defeat your giants," <laughs> and he's like, "Brothers and sisters, I, I'm, Stephen, I'm sorry, but you're not David." That's right, man. And I mean, he just went off and like preached yeah, the gospel. And stuff. so um, there's a, actually a really cool breakdown. Tim Chalice uh, does this breakdown on his blog. It's like the best sermons ever. Yeah. And that was one of the sermons that he broke down. Nice. And so just really cool. So, well, today we are going to talk about a topic that has came up in our culture, especially in the midst of, you know, quote unquote, cancel culture. A lot of things happen. And there's a big one right now with a certain Baptist college president that's in the news. Yeah, I mean, basically, it's the same old story, different place, different time, (laughs) right? But it's a guy who's a denominational leader because it's the Baptist world Mm -hmm. and uh, probably the largest Christian college Uh, in in the U.S., if not in the world. 100,000 students. Yeah. And uh, he's done things, and now he's tried to lie and cover it up. Possibly, mm-hmm. I mean, we, allegedly. We're, we're, the story's and, developing. Uh, and more and more stuff is coming out that is showing you how depraved people are no matter what leadership position they're in. Yes. And so if it's true, if any of it's true, then we have another moral failure mm-hmm. from another Southern Baptist leader yes. um, that needs to be dealt with. And that's the thing, man. I think that, you know, especially in our convention right now, you know, really with the Me Too movement and all these things, which, I mean, validity there man like i don't want sure. everyone discredit you know nope. women's uh, women women's accusations and what they've been through so the yep. me too movement is really powerful like i mean reading some of these women's stories is just i mean it's heartbreaking yeah i mean uh the one who called it the first woman who called out larry nasser you know the judas gymnast she's i mean she's a southern baptist church member who's a lawyer now i mean yeah. she it just it was in united states gymnastics and was you know molested and raped by this by this doctor, you yeah, know, yeah. and so we don't want to discredit these things. But the thing is, is that so many times people in leadership and even people in the pew are flirting with fire, which is what we're going to talk about today. You are flirting with fire in the sense that, you know, going towards moral failure, particularly let's just go ahead and go call it out. Sexual sin. Yeah. Sexual failure. Mm-hmm. Sexual yeah, sexually. Sin. And that's the one we see the most. We've seen it in our town. We've seen it in our city. We've seen it in many of our churches. And it, I mean, even on a natural on a national scale. We've seen it happen. So, Thomas, let's talk about how to shield ourselves from moral failure. What are ways that we can protect ourselves from sexual sin, immorality, um, particularly that kind of moral failure? Yeah, so I'll start off with single people. Yeah. And I'll say, one, if you burn with lust, get married. Yes. The Bible says. Yes. Right? So don't just marry the next person that walks in the room. You know, don't pull a judge's statement at the end of judges. The guy's like... Well, whatever you bring out of my house, I'll sacrifice it when I get there. If you give me this victory, right? You don't do that. But yeah. you do need to... Which is such a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> don't read anything in Judges and say, that's how we should do it. No, this is like watching the downward spiral of a people. Yes. Uh, anyway, with this, I think if you are single, um, pray, pray, pray for God to give you a godly woman. And or then, a godly man. 
Yeah, if you're a woman, yeah. saying godly man, be careful there, Tyler. How you state that? Well, well, well you said well, you said you said for a godly woman, <laughs> yes. pray for a godly woman, and I said, well, also for a godly man. Yes. But then, yeah, yeah if you're yeah. a woman, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could have been misconstrued. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, I affirm biblical marriage. Yeah, so I respect the message. Two thousand. You, <laughs> you you need to pray, and then when you meet her, don't dilly dally around trying to wait and see if something else comes along. Yeah. If it's what God puts in your life and says, marry this woman, then, you know, seek her hand in marriage, go to her dad, ask permission. If he says no, try to win him over, you know, like do it, do these things, get married. Yeah. Secondly, if you're married, uh, listen, brothers and sisters, the Bible says you should not abstain from sex with one another in the marriage covenant, yeah. uh, unless it's for a very short amount of time for the purpose of prayer, not because you're mad at each other, not because it's inconvenient, not because you don't like the way you look anymore in the mirror, not because, you know, you're, you just don't have time for it. This is don't abstain from it. There's a lot of reasons. And one of those is because if you are not being sexually regularly active with your spouse, you are opening the door for sexual immorality yes. to take hold in the heart. hundred percent. And I, I mean, going back to, you know, talking about singles, like I remember my, um, when I went to ask Ryan's dad for, you know, her in a marriage, he said, you know, how long do you want to, how long do you guys plan on being engaged for? I said, hopefully not long, you know? Yeah. Now, granted I got engaged, Ryan was 19, I was 22. And so, I mean, like we were both young and, yeah. um, and, and when I got engaged to her, I did not have a full-time job. I was working two, three, four, I was working three part-time jobs. Right. And he said, well, you need to wait until she gets out of school. And she was in her Long freshman time. year of college. And I said, sir, in the most respectful way possible, no way. <laughs> like, I mean, I seriously said that because, I mean, I was like, man, like, we've waited till marriage and all these things. And I mean, well, and, you guys have been dating for how long by that oh, point? Oh, dude, six years. Yeah. You know, six years. I mean, and so like just, I mean, and we've been together 10 years this month. Yeah. And so, and I look back and go, you know what? I don't regret getting married at 23. Like, and I, I know she doesn't regret getting married at 20 because I mean, when we've grown up together and all those things. And that's the thing that I think our culture has turned marriage into kind of like the capstone of your moment of your, of your life. Like, you know, it's the finishing thing, like the capstone right. when in a lot of ways, marriage can actually be the cornerstone that is built there with Christ. You know, it's one of the cornerstones of your life that you build. It's a foundation that you're laying there and then you grow together in this, um, and so to the single people out there that are listening to this, listen, don't rush. Like uh, Matt Chandler has a great sermon that he talks about, you know, to the single ladies of his church. Yeah, yeah. He said, you know, they date the, you know, quote unquote, good Christian boy, but you need to wait on a godly man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because yeah. you, you want somebody that's going to be pouring into your children. You want yeah. somebody that's going to be like, you need to be thinking about those things. Sure. But then also don't, you know, don't pull the, you know, the joke. My buddy says a Baptist college, like in two weeks in, everybody's getting engaged. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. in Christian colleges. It's just, you know, you, you be patient, wait on the Lord, pray. But also seek, like, yeah. you know, like, like seek and, and, and look and, and, and pray for God to send the right person to well, you. And when you, and I think when you do get engaged, short engagements, oh, yes. long dating, if you want short engagements, mm -hmm. because the temptation oh, goes man, up high. I even say long dating is very difficult, right? It I mean, is. coming from somebody. But I mean, if like, you need that, that's okay. But yeah. don't get engaged until you're ready to get yeah, married. Yeah, I mean, don't, yeah. I mean, and, and this is my thing. Don't date until you're ready to get married, right? Yeah, I mean, true. I tell teenagers that all the time. If you're well, dating just to play. Carol and I dated, we were a little older. I was yeah. 32 when we got married. She was 27, 28. And so, um, but we dated for over a year, got mm -hmm. engaged in, um, at Valentine's Day, got married in June. You know, so, I mean, I, I just think it's good oh, for dude, short engagements. I, I tell people all the time, less than a year. Like, yeah. I mean, and some people, I mean, I, I had a friend of mine, man, she got married in three months to a great guy. Three months. I mean, it was like, they got engaged, bam, they're married. I yeah. was like, yes. Like, 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 you know, shield yourself from that. And like you said, man, don't withhold yourself. You know, I mean, I just, I think that, you know, the culture has taught us 
so much about, you know, individuality. Yeah. But man, when you're married in a biblical marriage, you are one another's. Well, and that's what we're getting back to here. The, the trying to, to keep yourself shielded from moral failure. Yes. One, if you are having a good life period with your spouse, you're going to be shielded a lot better. So that means emotionally, spiritually, physically, intimately, you've got to be having those things go on. Yes. So uh, I know some guys or gals might withhold sex from their spouses. You're setting yourself up for a bad situation in your marriage. Um, secondly, you need accountability. We've been talking about that a lot lately, but you need accountability with people. Uh, you need to have people that can ask you tough questions. Hey, have you been looking at pornography? Uh, when's the last time that you fantasized about somebody or that you saw somebody you took too long looking at them? Yeah. You know, I learned a lot of techniques from uh, back in that day when um, uh, they were having these men's conferences all the time. Uh, but one of them was bouncing the eyes. So I didn't realize when I became a Christian that like checking somebody out of the opposite sex was not cool. Yeah. And I'm sitting at seminary, I'm um, talking outside after a class and this girl walks up and I realized like I look her up and down and then I realized nobody else's eyes came off the mark. Like they're all looking neck up, you know, and God brought lots of conviction on me yeah. to say like, Hey, that's not what you do. That's not holy. Well, and I mean, look at the words of Jesus, man, not no, trying try to interrupt. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. But Jesus says like, you know, if you look at a woman with lust of your heart, you've committed adultery. Yeah. And that's and so, like, and wow. so that, that was a part of my growth process. Yeah. Right. But so balance the eyes, you see something that's, it's not wrong to notice something beautiful. Right, like you know, a, a picturesque view or a person. Um, but if you double back to that or you stay too long, so I, pr- I learned to practice of bouncing my eyes. If I yeah. see something beautiful, that's okay. As soon as I see it, I bounce my eyes off of it to something else and don't look back. Yeah, you know, and that's the way that you you try to walk holy. So don't open the door to temptation. Yeah. So those are some things. Ask somebody. Have have people that will ask you accountability questions like that, just on the fly. Whenever you talk, when you yeah. connect, somebody really close to you to be open with that knows your history. Um, yeah. But the biggest thing I think is to make sure you have a good marriage. Yeah, and I, and, and you know, and I think that the I mean, just going back to this, Jesus is the cornerstone of that. Yeah, you know, constantly allowing the Spirit's presence in your marriage. Yeah, you know, worshiping together, reading the scriptures together, being one another's accountability partners in a lot of ways. Now, and I would actually encourage you, you know, have an accountability partner of the same gender. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like walking with Jesus together and then spending time alone with Jesus as well and like kill sin. Yeah. Like when sin rears its ugly head. I mean, uh, my, my seminary, uh, my seminary president, Jason Allen said this one time and I loved it. Um, he said, you know, sin is best strangled in the cradle. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. and like, like you've got to kill sin while it's in its infancy. It's very visual. Oh, it's very visual, yeah. but I mean, it's a, it's, it's meant to hit hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, like I, he, he said that at a, um, at, at one of our gatherings, and I was like, "Man, that is so good." It was I was talking about pastoral, pastoral, and moral failures, sure. like one of those. And so I've just always kind of kept that imagery in my head. I'm like, "Man, that, 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 that's the thing that we got to do." And when you read James one, like I always go back to James one, it literally gives you a life cycle of sin. You know, when desire gives birth to, you know, desire yeah, gives yeah, birth yeah. to sin, and then sin, when it's fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah, and that's yeah. what happens. These moral failures that we see, like, you know, with this guy that we're talking about right now are with the, you know, we had that one that swept through the Southern Baptist Convention with the Houston Chronicle. Yeah, that yeah. was a bombshell, not 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. Yeah. The thing that started is a baby sin. Yeah. It's something so minor. It's just a glance here and there and all these things. And then eventually it grows up it grows up and grows up and it brings forth death. Yeah. You know, and one of the things I would say, and I'm going back to the marriage thing for a second yeah, because man. I think we need to work on that. One of the things I've noticed is that most guys don't think much about having to work on the marriage, Mm-mm. but 
most ladies would argue that seeing their husbands do something with them to work on the marriage is like gold to them. It's yeah. huge. And, and uh, Carol and I were a part of um, the Mingling of Souls conference kind of tour with Matt Chandler and Lauren conference. Chandler. And um, I remember what something Lauren Chandler said. She talked about, they were very raw, just them two together. Yeah. And she said something, talking with Matt Chandler about a lot of times she doesn't really want to have sex with her husband. She'll just like not be in the mood. She's not thinking about it. She got something else going on. Um, and, and, and it was cool to see he and her, like he and she talk about it and basically say, Hey, and it's okay for her to feel that way. And you don't need to force that and make her feel obligated to do mm-hmm. that. At the same time, she made it very clear, but I want to love my husband well, and I want to help to absolve him of these frustrations and temptations. And so even though I don't feel like it often, I'm going to do that with him. And what I find is that in the moment, I'm, I, I'm glad I'm doing this thing. Yeah. Um, but I do that because I love him and care for him and, and care for his holiness. Yes. You know, so it's not just about satisfaction physically. Yeah, it's, it's about, not about just physical pleasure. Well, it's about loving one another, dying mm-hmm. to self, loving one another. And, and that's both ways. Uh, not forcing your wife to feel bad for not doing something and not making your husband not have something yeah. because and, you don't feel like it. And not walk around like pouty, right? Yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, speaking as a man. And I'll tell you all this, like the, the Mingling of Souls Conference is actually online for purchase. Yeah. Me and my wife right after, um, and, and I learned this, like after your wife has a child, like, I mean, like, you know, gives birth to a child, like they change. Like, yeah, yeah. They're, they're the makeup of their body chem, like chemically and like I mean they turn into a completely different person as a man I had to adjust like you know yeah, what I'm saying yeah, like, sure. like like I didn't give birth to a child you know and so like yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to grow in that and so me and her like you know after the baby after baby's born we were like kind of like in this season of trying to figure one another out and learn one another's mannerisms again and all these things um but the thing was was like we invested in this conference it was like 10 yeah. 15 bucks man yeah. we watched that together. And it was so, so joyful, good. man. I mean, it was That's just one of the best, one of the best I've ever been to. Yeah, now, because, is that mean, or Paul David Tripp. Yeah, she's so raw and yeah. he's so raw. And like, they talk about like, the first seven years of their marriage, but like, yeah. they carried in all this baggage and stuff. And I'm like, man, like you don't hear guys talk about that. Yeah. And that goes back to, once again, what you've always, you know, harped on us about confessional, being confessional. Yes. Yeah. I mean, drive that into your skull church, be confessional. I mean, especially with yeah. one another and with other couples. Like, I mean, that's one thing I've learned. Yeah especially. Yeah. That, and that's the thing too. You said confessional and I was going to hit on is that th- here's the part, right? Most people that never talk about their struggles are the ones that seem to be more apt to fall into failure. Yeah. And so if you're being confessional with spouse, with friends, uh, in front of others, you're not always going to, it's not going to protect you, but it's definitely not going to hide your struggles. That allows you to have a separate life when the, when the lights are out and you're by yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, that's really important. I think to have for sure. And one thing I'll tell you this too, that really helps us have other couples that yeah. you can talk to. Sure. And I mean, even have a couples that are older than you, um, and then find a couple that's younger than you to pour into. Yep. I mean, um, I mean, like I'm, I'm sitting here watching you, Luke and Olivia, like, you know, like they're preparing their lives together and all this, like their future. And that's one thing that I've been such a joy to be a part of. Cause I'm like, man, I get to pour into them and all these things. And they even pour into me as well, you know, sure. encouraging me and all those things. So find that as well. But the biggest thing, spend time with Jesus together. Like, you know, just yeah. invest time yeah. together to spend time with Jesus. You said it. Jesus, Jesus is the cornerstone. Jesus being central. It's not, we're not just living gospel centered lives in the way we preach or teach or no. study the Bible. Gospel centrality is the essential for all of life. It's a lifestyle, yeah. right? It's all relationships. Li- it's, it's living. It literally branches itself out into your marriage, into your friends friendships and to your parenting and to everything you do. Yep. And you talk about becoming the way that becoming the church, the way that Jesus intended it live that way. Yeah. And then right. you'll see what happens. And good. So, 
Well, y'all, thank you so much for joining us for this uh, for this podcast. If you have any questions about this, please let us know. Um, if you are struggling with anything, reach out to a pastor. Um, we would love to talk to you, counsel you through that, um, and point you to people that can help you in that. And don't forget to reach out to Tyler and let him know how disappointed you are he doesn't know about cake. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to go immerse myself in cake right now. So yeah, thank you so much for joining in to this ReChurch podcast. We will see you next week.